I invite you to bow your heads and pray together with me this morning. Lord God, I pray that the words I'm about to speak and the thoughts that we think is together, we meditate on your word, your will for our lives, your truth for our lives. Lord, I pray that that would all be truly acceptable in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer, who has poured out your Holy Spirit upon us. Amen. So I don't know about you, but there is nothing cuter than a newborn baby. We even have one with us in church this morning. That's pretty amazing, huh? Yeah, but, uh, but I, I have a question for you. In fact, you guys know I used to be a teacher, so I give pop quizzes sometimes. A little pop quiz for you. One question, multiple choice, but I want to warn you in advance. Don't say your answer out loud. Don't even turn to the person next to you and say it quietly, because I don't want you to be embarrassed when you get this one wrong, okay? All right? So, uh, so here's the multiple choice question. When we talk about those little newborn babies, we have three options. Option number one is that newborn baby is basically good. Now, we, we don't know what that baby will do later on in life when it grows up, but just as a, as a newborn baby, as it sits there in our arms, that baby is basically good. Option number two is that that baby is bad. Again, we're not saying anything about what it will do later on in life, but we're saying in that moment, right after it is born, that baby is basically bad. Uh, option number three is, we don't know yet. We got to kind of wait and see, and uh, that baby might be good or bad, and it will, time will tell, and then we'll be able to know, okay? Now, think about what your answer to that is. Now, obviously, we're Christians, right? So, so we get our answers from the Bible, when it comes to important questions about life, uh, that's where we go for our answers. We don't figure them out on our own. We don't go with our gut feeling or anything. We want to say, what does God's word say about this? So let's take a look at what God's word has to say about this question, okay? Let's first go to the Old Testament. In Psalm 51, this is a Psalm of David, David wrote these words. He said, for I was born a sinner, and then he even back pushes it further back than newborn. He says, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. So, so what David is saying here is when he was a newborn baby, he says, I was a sinner. And in fact, David uh, says very clearly, actually, from even before I was born, that moment when I first became a unique living human being, in that moment of my conception, he said, even then, I was a sinner. Wow. Now, let's understand the context of this. David had just been confronted with an especially difficult sin in his life. He had uh, committed adultery with another man's wife, and then when it looked like that man was going to find out about it, David orchestrated a battle to make sure that that man was killed. Basically, he had him murdered. And when he was confronted about that sin, as you can imagine, David felt incredibly guilty. And so maybe David's just letting that guilt color his experience. So let's take a look at the New Testament. Let's see what Paul had to say. Now, Paul wrote this letter to the church in Rome, and it's kind of a unique letter for Paul because all of his other letters are written to churches that he founded, like the church in Corinth or uh, the church in Galatia. But his letter to the church in Rome, he didn't found that church. In fact, he's never been there. And so it's kind of like his summary of doctrine. It's kind of like he's saying to them, if I had been there, this is the stuff I would have taught you. 
And right in the very beginning, he talks about this idea of, of, of human beings being sinful. And in chapter 3, he puts it this way. He says, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly, seek, truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. Not one does good, not a single one. So it appears from Paul's perspective that he would agree with David. That no one, including newborn babies, are good. They're, they're all sinful. Now, whatever the Old Testament and the New Testament says, we always have to go to the source, and that is Jesus, right? Because Jesus is really the lens that helps us understand both the writings of Paul and all the writings of the New Testament. So what did Jesus have to say? Well, on one occasion, Jesus was asked a question by a young, uh, rich man, and that man said to him, good teacher. And Jesus stopped him, and he said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. In other words, Jesus says, God is the standard by which we judge goodness. And by that standard, he says, no one is good. So it seems like the evidence is pretty clear. What exactly is going on here? Well, to understand it, we've got to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. We know that when God created Adam and Eve, he created them to be good. But then we know that they sinned. They chose to uh, follow their own path instead of God's path. And, and what the Bible teaches us is that changed things forever. Look at Genesis chapter 5. It says, this is the list of the descendants of Adam. When God created humankind, he made them in the image of God. Male and female, he created them and blessed them. But then notice it says, when Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in whose image? God's image? No, in his own image. After his own likeness. Again, back to Romans, Paul puts it this way. He says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. In other words, what the Bible teaches is, because we are born to sinful parents, who were born to sinful parents before them and before them, all the way back to those first parents, Adam and Eve, because we've all been born... With that condition, we're all born sinful. So what's the answer to the question? It's B. Believe it or not, that newborn baby is bad. Or maybe to put it a, a better way, to use a more biblical term, that baby is born sinful. Now, here's maybe another way to think about that. I love using this question. It really makes you think. If I asked you, am I a sinner because I sin, or do I sin because I'm a sinner, what would you say? Think about that for a minute. In other words, what I'm asking is, am I a sinner because of the things that I do, or are the things that I do just symptoms of a deeper condition that is within me called sin? And again, the teaching of the Bible is it's the second one of those. I sin because I am a sinner. That's my identity that I was born with. That's who I am. Uh, let me give you uh, another example of that. 
Um, I remember when our son Christian was just a little baby, um, and I don't remember exactly how old he was, but he was in the, I can crawl and pull myself up, but I still can't walk stage, okay? So that kind of about gives you his age. And I was sitting there, I was watching the bear game, and it was an especially exciting bear game, and he was playing in the middle of the floor, and all of a sudden, he crawled over, pulled himself up to the TV, and I'm like, oh, cool, he's interested in football. And then he reached out and turned the TV off. Now, now I, it was, I'm like, whoa, I'm watching that, you know? So I went over there, and I took him away from the TV, and I sat him on the floor, and I pointed at the off button, and I went, no. And I took him and put him back in the center of the floor, and I sat back down. Well, before I could even sit down, he was already moving, back up, pulled himself up, pressed the button, turned and looked at me like, now what are you going to do? <laughs> I witnessed his first sin, okay? <laughs> now... Was that sin the moment that he became a sinner? Or was that simply a reflection of who he was born to be in this sinful world? And of course, the answer to that is the latter, isn't it? We're all born as sinners. So when David said it, he wasn't just feeling guilty. He was right. We could all say this. I was sinful from the moment I came into existence. We call that original sin. But there's some good news. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul, now writing to a church he did help found, that, that he had taught the good news, says this. He's got this whole list of different kinds of sinners, different sinful conditions. And then he says to them, some of you were like that, but look at what he says to them. You were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. In other words, what Paul says to them is, even though we may have been born sinners, there's a new identity that we have been given by God's Spirit. We heard about that again in the book of Galatians. For all, you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Here's what this is talking about. There is one baby that was born that was not sinful, that was good, and it was Jesus. As the Son of God came into this world, he was born holy and perfect, and he lived a holy, perfect life. And what happens in the waters of our baptism, when God pours out his Spirit on us, is we are given that perfect life of Christ, and it becomes ours. You guys have a wonderful white baptismal uh, clothing on our baby that's going to be baptized this morning, right? Now, why do we do that? It's not just because they tend to be slippery and it's going to be hard for the pastor to not drop the baby, right? What we do that as a symbol, as a symbol of that new clothing, that new life, that new identity of Jesus that we have been given in the waters of our baptism. Titus puts it this way. He says, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of of eternal life. In other words, what this is saying is, you know, we, we baptize babies here at Trinity. Why? Because 
babies are capable of receiving. And that's all it takes to be given this gift of God's spirit in baptism. God is the one working in baptism to pour out his spirit on us. Titus calls it a washing of regeneration and renewal. When you were baptized, you were given a gift. You were given new life. You were given a new identity. You were given the holiness and the blessings of Jesus. But here's my question then. If that's true, then why do you still, when you look in the mirror, see a sinner? If it's true that you were born sinful, but in the waters of your baptism, God poured out his Holy Spirit on you and he gave you that new identity and you are now his holy forgiven child, then why, when you look in the mirror, do you still see someone who sins? Well, again, back to Galatians, Paul puts it this way. He said, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And then look at this. It says this, these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. In other words, what he's saying is that this side of heaven, that sinful identity still clings to us. There's a a fancy Latin phrase that theologians use to describe this. It's simul justus et peccator. What that means is we are simultaneously saint, that gift we've been given in our baptism, And yet, sinner, that old Adam still clings to us. We're simultaneously both this side of heaven. When you're at the seminary, you know, you take preaching classes. In my first preaching class, I had to write three sermons. And every one of those sermons uh, came back from my professor and he had scribbled S-I-E-P all over them. Trying to remind me that we are simultaneously saint and sinner. In other words, he thought I wasn't quite getting that balance right. I would argue that maybe he was forgetting that one of those identities is our true identity, though. Paul put it this way in Romans again when he was wrestling through that idea that the Holy Spirit in him gave him good desires. There were things he wanted to do, just sometimes he didn't do them. And he said, so when I do wrong, I'm not the one doing it. It is sin that is living in me that does it. In other words, Paul was saying, yes, I may be simultaneously saint and sinner. I may may be this new creation that God has made me in baptism and also that sinner in which I was born. He says, but one of those identities is real and the other one isn't real anymore. Which one's real? The one that God has given me. He said, yeah, I still sin, but, but that's not me. That's not really who I am, Paul said. Another one of my seminary professors put it this way. He said, this side of heaven, a Christian still sins, but we sin with tears in our eyes. Because we know that's not who we are. We know that's not the identity we have been given in Christ Jesus. So what do we do in the meantime? Well, back to that verse from Galatians. At the very beginning of that verse, Paul said this. He said, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Folks, think of it this way. Every day is a new chance to live out your identity. It's it's like every morning when you get up, you're being baptized all over again. Every morning when you get up, the past is gone. It's forgiven. 
We may look back and we may feel guilty about something we said or a way that we behaved, but God doesn't see that. So we could start each morning, again, like we've just been baptized, like we've just been given this new identity, we've just been given this new start, and every day is a day to let the Holy Spirit guide how we're going to live. You know, I mentioned my son before. Uh, last weekend, he graduated from college, believe it or not. Uh, those of you that have been around here at Trinity, it seems like just yesterday, he was coming up for the children's message, doesn't it, you know? But, uh, but so here's, here's what happened. Um, uh, the, the college he graduated from, they do this really cool thing where before the graduation ceremony, all the students meet at the other end of the campus, and then they have this bagpipe processional that leads them through the whole campus. And the faculty line the main street, and they high-five them as they go by and everything like that. And, and it's this really cool thing. Now, now here's the problem. Most parents, what they do is they send one person from the family into the auditorium to save their seats for graduation. And then the rest of the family goes out to watch the procession. Well, it was just Betty and I, and we're like, well, what are we going to do? We, we didn't want to like have one of us inside and one of us outside that we wanted to be together. And, and yet we wanted to watch the procession, but then we were worried we'd never get seats inside. And so finally what we decided to do is we knew they were going to live stream it on Facebook. So I'm like, here's what we'll do. Let's just go get our seats. And uh, I got my phone. We'll, we'll just watch the procession on my phone. We're like, that's great. That's what we're going to do. And, uh, and so there we were in great seats. Um, you know, everybody else is outside, you know, and we, we got our seats and we got my phone. We start watching. Only there were like 800 other people trying to do that too. And so this is what I got a lot of, all right? Yeah. So, so what did I do? Did I give up? No. I, I press pause, let it buffer, press play. 30 seconds. Oop, all right. Press pause, press play. Two seconds. All right. Press pause, press play, right? For a half hour, that's what I kept doing. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. That's the chance that we have every day. We, we can just give up, right? We can say, hey, you know, forget it. I sinned again. That's it. I, I give up. Or we could see every day as another chance to press pause and plus press play. Every day is that new chance for us to be led by God's spirit to live out that identity that we've been given in Jesus Christ. I pray that you would let God's spirit guide your lives. That you would truly be the holy, perfect person that he has given you to be through the waters of your baptism. Amen.